One of the podcasts that I listen to regularly is The Next Right Thing with Emily P. Freeman. It's a podcast about making decisions that make our lives. Now, it's said that the average adult makes over 35,000 decisions each day. No wonder we're all exhausted. Some of those decisions are of second nature. We don't even think about them. But Emily's podcast is dedicated to the ones that aren't. It can be really scary to decide what next step to take when we can't see exactly how everything is going to work out. We would love all 10 steps of a 10-step plan before we ever take step one, but that is rarely how things go. Emily guides her listeners to take the next right step and to do so in love, but not just any love, to take the next right step with God who is love. But what if those decisions have to do with broken relationships, people who have wounded you or people that you have wounded? How do we take the next step in love and broken relationships? In our current study and series, we've been walking through the story of Joseph in Genesis, the very first book in our Bible. And in our passage and story today, it's been around 23 years since Joseph's brothers betrayed him when he was 17. They sold him into Egyptian slavery, which was option B, by the way. Option A was to murder him, but thankfully they were talked out of that. But this history of their relationship as brothers is really critical to today's story. Joseph is a man of deep wounds. He was wounded by the loss of his mother at a young age, by the mistreatment of his brothers, by his years in slavery, by the false accusation of Potiphar's wife, by lost time with a beloved father, by all the should have beens and what could have beens. And Joseph was also a broken man who, in his immaturity at a young age, proudly wore the privilege of a father's love, flaunting it in front of his brothers. There's plenty of brokenness to go around in this family. And as the story develops, we see what this brokenness has cost the family. The brothers' guilt over their treatment of Jacob has been this dark shadow that has hung over the family all this time. And each day the brothers have witnessed the tremendous grief of their father because of their choices. And Joseph's brokenness led to slavery and imprisonment and, and seemingly crushed dreams. And I, in their pain, I'm sure that Jacob and the brothers probably thought God had forgotten them. And in the midst of his imprisonment and pits, I imagine Joseph too had thought that God had forgotten him. But what was not forgotten was the deep, broken relationship among brothers. And in today's text, this takes center stage in the climax of Joseph's story. Now, as Pastor Hannah mentioned last week, the shadow of famine had fallen all over the land, and Pharaoh had put Joseph in charge of preparing for these years of famine. And under his leadership, Egypt was ready and prepared. So two years into this famine, and 23 years after they betrayed him, Joseph's brothers arrive in his presence, seeking to buy food for their family back in the land of Canaan. They didn't recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognized them. Those familiar faces, 
the faces that Joseph grew up with, the faces that looked down on him from the top of that pit, the faces that glared at him with no remorse as he was bound and taken away into slavery. One look brought it all back for Joseph. Some of us have been there before. We try to forget the ways that others have hurt us or we try to forget the ways that we have hurt others. And sometimes it works for a while. But then out of the blue, out of nowhere, we come face to face again with the pain and the hurt. And we're asked this question again, how do we take the next step in love in broken relationships? What is Joseph's next step in when his brothers reappear after all this time? Well, chapters 42 through 44 of Genesis tell us that Joseph goes all business. He hides his identity, deceiving his brothers. He speaks harshly to his brothers with accusations that he knew were unfounded, that were even he was behind. And in short, Joseph takes advantage of his power to deal with a group that he knew could be untrustworthy because of their treatment of him years ago. Now, maybe Joseph was motivated by his wounds. And maybe Joseph was motivated by a desire to know if his brothers had changed at all. And maybe it was a mixture of both. While we don't know Joseph's motive, we know that his next steps were guarded, but they were steps towards reconciliation. They weren't steps to get revenge or for Joseph's advantage over his brothers. Each next step that Joseph takes gives him a chance to discern if his brothers had changed at all over the last 23 years. And Joseph found that indeed they had changed. In the last scene before our story today, Joseph sees us in Judah, who is the oldest brother and the brother who devised the plan to sell Joseph all those years ago. The same brother now stands before Joseph, unaware it's Joseph, and he offers to spend the rest of his life as an Egyptian slave instead of their youngest brother. And when Joseph witnesses the change in Judah, that he was willing to become a slave for a brother rather than enslave a brother like he did to Joseph, well, Joseph is ready now to take the next right step. And that brings us to our text today in Genesis chapter 45. Joseph couldn't hold himself in any longer, keeping up a front before all his attendants. He cried out, leave, clear out, everyone, leave. So there was no one with Joseph when he identified himself to his brothers. But his sobbing was so violent that the Egyptians couldn't help but hear him. The news was soon reported to Pharaoh's palace. Now, this was not the first time that Joseph had wept since his brothers had reappeared into his life. It was actually the third time as identified in Genesis, but it was the only time that he did so in front of others, and not just anyone, the ones who had deeply wounded him. Interestingly, the second time that Joseph wept in Genesis 43:30 describes Joseph as being deeply moved upon seeing his youngest brother, Benjamin. And so when he felt that, he hurried out of the room to weep in privacy. Now, the Hebrew word for deeply moved in that passage is the same word used in Hosea 11:8 when God tells about his deep yearning for Israel despite their unfaithfulness. 
How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. God is deeply moved as he thinks about his love for Israel. Despite their betrayal, despite their unfaithfulness, God's yearning for Israel moves God to compassion rather than vengeance. Despite the brothers' betrayal, Joseph is deeply moved. How could he destroy them? How could he do to them what they have done to him? God has been at work in Joseph and his brothers, preparing him for this moment of reconciliation. In Genesis 45, picking up in verse 3, it says, Joseph then spoke to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father really still alive? But his brothers couldn't say a word. They were speechless. They couldn't believe what they were hearing and seeing. Come closer to me, Joseph said to his brothers. They came closer. I am Joseph, your brother whom you sold into Egypt. Now Joseph is reminding them here of what they did to Joseph, not to make them feel bad, but as a way to prove that, yes, I really am Joseph. The only people that knew about this deep family secret were those brothers in that room. Joseph goes on to say, but don't feel badly. Don't blame yourselves for selling me. God was behind it. God sent me here ahead of you to save lives. There has been a famine in the land now for two years. The famine will continue for five more years, neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me on ahead to pave the way and make sure there was a remnant in the land to save your lives in an amazing act of deliverance. So you see, it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. He set me in place as a father to Pharaoh, put me in charge of his personal affairs, and made me ruler of all Egypt. We don't know when, but somewhere along this journey, Joseph realized that God had been at work throughout the entire unknown. When he had felt forgotten in the pits and in the prison and in his pain, he was known the entire time. And he wanted his brothers to know this now too. Joseph's next step in love after revealing who he was is to reframe the narrative of pain and brokenness in their family. The brothers did make evil choices, but God had worked those choices for good. Now, still speechless and in shock, the brothers say nothing as Joseph goes on to give orders for the next steps they will take as a family to move towards reconciliation and healing. Beginning in verse 9, Joseph orders them, hurry back to my father. Tell him, your son Joseph says, I'm master of all Egypt. Come as fast as you can and join me here. I'll give you a place to live in Goshen where you'll be close to me. You, your children, your grandchildren, your flocks, your herds, and anything else you can think of. I'll take care of you there completely. There are still five more years of famine ahead. I'll make sure all your needs are taken care of. You and everyone connected with you, you won't want for a thing. Look at me. You can see for yourselves, and my brother Benjamin can see for himself that it's me, my own mouth, telling you all this. Tell my father all about the high position I hold in Egypt. Tell him everything you've seen here, but don't take all day. Hurry up and get my father down here. And then Joseph threw himself on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. 
And Benjamin wept on his neck. And he then kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Only then were his brothers able to talk with him. They wept. 23 years of pain and isolation and shame and brokenness began pouring out of them onto the palace floor. And only after that pain began to pour out was space created for them to talk once again as brothers. Now regarding this moment in the story of reconciliation in Joseph's family, author Bruce Waltke says this, It's about loyalty to a family member in need, even when he or she looks guilty. Giving glory to God by owning up to sin and its consequences. Overlooking favoritism. Offering up oneself to save another. Demonstrating true love by concrete acts of sacrifice that create a context of trust. Discarding control and the power of knowledge in favor of intimacy. Embracing deep compassion, tender feelings, sensitivity, and forgiveness, and talking to one another. A dysfunctional family that allows these virtues to embrace it will become a light to the world. These virtues they embraced were the next steps Joseph and his brothers took in the unknown of this grand finale. They were steps of vulnerability and risk. They were steps of repentance and forgiveness. They were steps in a direction they hoped things would go, but they weren't certain they would go. And they were not the first steps in the healing process for Joseph, but they were the next steps in love. For you, the next step in love in a broken relationship may be inviting God to do first a healing work in you. Before Joseph was ever ready to reconcile with his brothers, God was at work in his heart, moving him toward compassion and forgiveness. For you, the next step in love may be owning your role in the brokenness and asking for forgiveness. For you, the next step may be asking God to give you insight to discern whether someone has changed or not so that you can make the next steps informed and with wisdom. And for you, the next step may be choosing to simply be the first to take the next step in love. Joseph was a wounded man, but God worked in his life to heal him. And through the transformative work of God, this one who had so much taken away from him, his, his coat, his freedom, his dreams, this one ultimately becomes the one to begin the healing for his family. Today, we can see all 10 steps of Joseph's life and the plan, but for Joseph, it was one step at a time toward God's dream, trusting he was always known in the unknown, that God was always with him. When we can't see the whole story, we're invited to take the next right step with God and love. Let's pray together. God, we're so grateful for these stories that remind us of your faithfulness, that we are known in the unknowns of life, that people and generations before us have gone through things that we are feeling and experiencing and that it can be scary during this time where we don't always know how things are gonna play out. 
But yet through their stories, we can see, God, that you are at work, even when we can't always see it and we can't always understand it. God, some of us are dealing with broken relationships and there's moments and years even of pain and dysfunction in those relationships. And God, the only way that those are gonna be healed is by your work in our lives, helping us to take just the next right step in love with you. But God, as followers of Christ, we want to be a part of reconciliation with you. And so we ask that you would give us the courage and the wisdom to take the next right step in love with you. Amen.